0: Hey, it's time for Doctor Lisa gives a shit, and I'm Doctor Lisa, and I I give a shit. I give a shit about you. Can I tell you something, guys? I'm a little depressed about Thanksgiving. Like Thanksgiving depresses me. I have I had a lot of family issues. Uh, there's been a bunch of deaths over the years around Thanksgiving. This year, I'll be spending it in an assisted living facility. Don't ask. I mean, you know, we don't need to get into that. Uh, I'm glad to be doing that because I love the person that I'll be visiting. But uh, I don't know. You know, I'm saying it's one of those things. The holidays are coming. And if you feel a little depressed, it's cool. We don't have to fake it. Okay, that's all right. So um, anyway, I just want to remind you, you're listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on Radio Free Brooklyn, the greatest radio station in um, the Western Hemisphere. There's really one other really good one, but that's in the Eastern Hemisphere. And, um, you know, we're we're really struggling uh, financially. If you didn't know that uh, we are, you can't tell because we sound the same on your piece of crap. Uh, listening services on any other fabulous expensive one but go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate and help us out we really like this is a really important service that we perform for free and it's tax your gifts are tax deductible so i'm very excited about my guest today her name is jack jack the stripper And hi. And I'm looking at her right now. And the way that I became um, a fan, I'm really honest, honest, God, fan. It sounds cheesy, but I I have to say it uh, because it's true. Um, So the way I became a fan of Jack was I audio booked her book called The Beaver Show, which was about her exploit. Is it exploits? Exploits as as a exploit stri- Sexploits. Sexploits as know. a stripper. Yeah. And the thing about um Jack and her book that really impressed me is I'm, I don't pretend to be an expert on stripper, but being a stripper, but the way that she talked about it was so um like funny and professional and uh honest and smart, like a good businesswoman. So I wound up like cheering for you. And and I think you kind of changed my attitude or my perception of strippers. Do you, do you do you hear there is a there is a stereotype of strippers, right?
1: There are a lot of stereotypes of strippers. And the only way they can be dispelled is by actually listening to strippers.
0: Right. And if yeah. you think about it, I'm a relatively in try to stay informed Bushwick uh, person and uh, I didn't know, so uh, we're gonna. So we're gonna like uh, get rid of all your uh, your you know miss your misunderstandings about strippers. But before we do that, I just want to brag a little more about um, Jack, Jack, Jacqueline, Jack, yeah, Jack,
1: Jack, 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 snack, Jack. Because
0: yeah. I want you to, I want you guys to appreciate the person that we have here with us today. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I'm really happy. Like, I didn't know how you were going to, I never met Jack in person. This is the first time I met her, but she's, she's, she's wearing one of her, uh, sex worker heart t-shirts and she has like no makeup, you have no makeup on, right? I have
1: a lot of blush on and that's You do? It. That's it? <laughs>
0: yeah. But like, you, she's so like, I mean, quite honestly, uh, she's dressed, you know, like. A babysitter. A babysitter. <laughs> Cause yeah. that's kind of what your job is. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, But anyway, so I just want you to know that she is, first of all, I think, I think she would have been successful no matter what. She's an incredible entrepreneur. She is not only a stripper,
1: Mm -hmm. she's
0: also a comedian. I saw her, my husband and I went to see her perform. Uh, She's hilarious. She has a show coming up at Caveat, which is a great place on November 26th. She's also like incredibly prolific as an artist and a cartoonist. And an author, she's got like five books, all, all self-published. So, like, you know, she she she's killing it, folks. This is what I'm saying. And also, the one more thing I want to tell you is she's from Canada. She went to McGill University, and she majored in Russian literature and cultural theory. So, uh, she's also incredibly, incredibly educated. And um, so, and also you were a dancer as a child, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you, how did you get into dancing?
1: Uh, I don't really know how I got into it. I just know that I wanted to do it when I was four. I took my very first like jazz class and I think my mom was just like trying different activities for my sister and I. Mm-hmm. And we went to ballet the first day. My sister is like a year and a half older. And we both showed up and my sister hid in the corner and cried the whole class. Really? I love, my, I love my, like This isn't shade to my sister, but mm-hmm. I was front row, gung ho, ready to dance. Oh, wow. I absolutely loved it. I love every minute of dance class. I still take class in New York. I love dancing. I have always loved dancing. And it is such a huge part of my, my life and my happiness and like. Stripping is kind is it is dancing, but it's so tertiary to the actual job itself. And that's what I try to dispel when I talk about it. I'm like, yeah, it's not about dancing. It is about talking to people and making them feel seen and loved and making them feel important. And that, cause that's the only reason why people give money is well, because they feel seen. Well, you know, I'm going to push back on that a yeah. little bit. <laughs> and because you're
0: a naturally talented dancer and you you may just take that for granted. I don't know. But the thing is, is that. It seems to make perfect sense that if you enjoyed dancing Mm -hmm. and that's one of your creative outlets Mm -hmm. that you would do it as a stripper, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, I was an artist and I made a living as an art director. Like, doesn't that seem like... You're doing, in other words, you took one of your skills that you're really natural at and you transitioned it into something you can make a living at. That's how it seems to make, like, I think it would be really different. And you probably meet people like this who don't really enjoy dancing. Or I know, mm-hmm. I know what you're saying because yeah. dancing is just one ele- element yeah. of it, but you have to have some talent, right?
1: Yeah. And actually, I like that you're touching on that because when I was a kid, I knew, I don't know what it was. Like, I don't have, I don't know, like, dancing does kind of. Like inflict some low self-esteem issues with like body dysmorphia, right. like competitiveness. But sure. when I started dancing as a kid, I loved it so much, but I was bullied in my dance really? community. Yeah, I wasn't liked. Like, what do you mean? Uh, The girls just didn't like me. I wasn't really that social. I just really liked to dance, but I didn't like the um extracurriculars so much. I um, mean, you didn't like being part of a group, a conforming I, no, group. No, I don't like oh, being part yeah? of a group. Who wants
0: that no. shit? No,
1: yeah. Oh, were,
0: you were weird.
1: You were, I was a little bit Oh, weird. you weren't a normal good girl. I was like, good. good. I was no, good, but, but, but I wasn't social. And I think maybe this is like my queerness that I hadn't realized yet mm-hmm, because a lot of maybe, the girls yeah. were very interested in being... A lot of the girls were like slutty, and like and now I'm mean, like no shade. Oh, they were like going to parties and talking about blowjobs, and I was so oh, uncomfortable. And are you now- talking about? Are you talking about as a teen? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Is that is inappropriate? I... I don't know. This is my experience. No, 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 no. But yeah, they were really um, the girls were really interested in like partying and drinking, and like I was not there yet. I was a very late bloomer. I was I was really into doing well academically, mm-hmm. and oh. mm-hmm. I just wanted to dance. And the girls were not this didn't take to me i didn't take to them right so i was there to dance but i i didn't fit into the social calendar so i think that kind of isolated me a little bit so um so yeah i don't know it's like it, it, so when i grew up like the successful dancers from my like dance studio became like disney cruise ship dancers and that in my idea was like what could happen as a successful dancer like that was what i understood to be success was dancing on a cruise ship And (laughs) sounds great. Yeah. And I I honestly was like, I'm never going to be good enough Mm -hmm. to dance on a Disney cruise ship. And Mm -hmm. I that's what I thought that that was the because I I kind of I never saw myself as a ballerina. I'm like more of a jazzy, like commercial dancer. Mm -hmm. So and I think ballerinas just trained so hard and they were so skinny and like I was never going to be skinny enough. So it's like i never saw that as a viable career option. And then the Disney cruise ship just seemed so unattainable. So I just sort of let it go. And wow. I actually went to high school in an art program and then I went travel and then I went to visual art. Yeah. Visual art. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I dropped mm-hmm. out of that because I wasn't getting straight A's and I was like, well, if I can't get straight A's, I'm not doing this program. So, wow. so- I left art because they were too, they didn't like, they just didn't, whatever. I left. You art did really. It, yeah.
0: Because like, why would anybody, you know, why would anybody study art as an, like an undergrad? It's a waste of money and it's bad enough for you people that are getting your master's degree.
1: I mean, look, do what you want learn, to do with your learn time. Learn a way to make a living. I think time is the most valuable resource yeah. anybody has. Yeah. So if you choose to spend your time studying something, that's great. Like as long as you make sure you really want to do that. But I didn't really think of making a living as an entertainer until after college, mm. and I became an entertainer in Thailand. I was in Bangkok. I found a job on Craigslist being like a dinner theater dancer, and I was, and then suddenly I was making a living. Entertaining people and dancing. And I was like, wait, I'm self sustaining and entertaining. So you felt, you really fell into it in a natural way.
0: right? Well, yeah, just work on and, Craigslist. Right. But you also had like a desire for freedom Always. and you were out there taking, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I consider taking risks. I wouldn't have done it. I'm too chicken. Yeah. Everybody I,
1: was like, you're crazy. Like getting no, a job on Craigslist really, in Thailand, but it yeah. was, it was, it wasn't necessarily that it was legit, but it was a job. And you trusted your instincts. I think
0: that's all we have, you know, but you must have like known how to take care of yourself. That's what I'm saying to some degree.
1: Well, yeah, I guess know. I know how to survive. Um, but also
0: there's another thing cuz um I'm really interested in top, personally interested in the topic of sexual currency. It's something I'm mm-hmm. very interested in now personally as an old lady because I see how 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 all the pretty girls when I was young with uh, they lose their you lose sexual currency when you get older and if you've relied on it blah blah blah. But the point of the thing I'm curious about is um the sexual currency, like what you were describing as a kid, is that the girls, the other girls might have been like all excited because the boys, they were getting mm-hmm. all this attention from boys because they were pretty girls who were dancing. They right? were
1: totally pretty girls. They were so hot. Like I I don't maybe I had crushes on them, but I don't think I really did. I. But they were like so sexy and they were very young because when you learn, when you're a dancer, you learn how to use your body and think like your body is like a tool. It's an instrument to express yourself. So, if that's sexually, then that's fine. And these girls were discovering that and I was yeah. not there yet. Boys, boys love that. Boys loved it. But here's here's another thing that <laughs> Maybe I Maybe I loved it. Maybe that's why I was so far away. I was like, oh, my God, I'm sure. A
0: <laughs> look, everybody's got a different take on it. Yeah, you know, have, it's a different experience. But like, mm-hmm. see, here's the thing that I find so confusing is that on one hand, it's uh, on one hand, it's, a, you know, it's. Uh, a great thing but on the other hand i want i wonder if the girls get taken it you know are exploited too like i wonder if when you're a little girl and you're dancing do you Mm -hmm. think little i sometimes think little girls are sexualized dancing
1: i think women are sexualized and exploited against their will every day i think when you finally decide to monetize it is when some of that exploitation goes away Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. because yeah i mean people like I don't know what people ask me a lot about exploitation and stripping and and I just honestly truthfully can identify the most exploitative moments of my life as being outside of a strip club well, that's or before a, I even started
0: yeah yeah well that that's something that I learned from reading your book is that one of the things that you really pointed out to me in a very in a in a really i guess funny but empowered way that I could sort of relate to or understand is that the women in sex clubs are pretty much in charge a lot more mm-hmm. than than the public realizes, and mm-hmm. I think a lot more than the men want to admit. Is that right? The men don't even want to think that, that they're not in charge. Like,
1: I think that men are really uncomfortable with being in charge for the most part. Really? I think that patriarchy is putting men in a really shit position they don't want to be in. I think, I mean, I think when men want, uh, a lot of men who walk into strip clubs are very submissive. They just want to be told what to do and where to go and how to sit and what to do and how much money it costs. They just want some instruction and direction. So, and in this strip club, they walk into this place and that's, that's okay. Well, that's
0: what they're, I mean, you're, you're speaking with a very, um, Particular sample of the male population.
1: Am I though? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone goes. To, if you can afford it, they go. If they can afford it, I they go. I don't
0: know. I. I mean, I'm not saying. I think pretty much every guy I know has been to a strip club, but mm-hmm. I don't really think a lot of men go regular. There are. It's like every it's a other hobby. It's a luxury. I don't think it's just a luxury. I think some men really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like sports or totally or anything else. Some men like going to strip clubs. Some men like playing golf. Mm-hmm. Some men like cards. Some men like
1: mm-hmm. you know smoking cigars. I think it's an intersection of. Uh, entertainment and therapy yeah in my experience it's like yeah. do you want to be entertained and like sexually entertained you know Um, and and have someone to talk to to listen to you who is not invested in your life so has a, a, a specific perspective on what how they contribute to your conversation so you think it's
0: men who like in a certain way they can make themselves vulnerable to you where they might not
1: with a like me a pretend therapist or yeah well because the conversation we're having right now is being broadcast so <laughs> Well, I'll, i mean so we couldn't possibly speak the way two people would speak if they were never to see each other again like one of my main sale like sales pitches and it's not it is a sales pitch but it's truthful and like i think the best sales pitches are truthful is i'll, I'll look at a guy in the eyes and i say listen we're never gonna see each other again what do you want to do with that Oh and, wow. and that's an opportunity. And if they're not into it, they're not into it. Like some guys are, well, I want your phone number. I want to hang out with you. And like, that's that's a different guy for another girl. That's fine. But some guys see like, OK, I have this one shot with a stranger. What do I want to do with this time? And I think that that's very appealing because in this world of social media and everything is documented and nothing disappears.
0: Right. So there's that chance where you get to spend time with another human where you can do whatever. And the fact Mm -hmm. that they're paying for it makes it transactional. So you're not, you're, you, you both have agreed on the terms and they're very simple and straightforward.
1: Yeah. And that's so freeing.
0: Yeah. I could, I could, I could see that. Um, The, the thing that I learned too, or the thing I'm curious about is my impression that, um, men, like the women though, are kind of like your salespeople. You're there. The yes. guy comes in to make, mo- you're, you're looking at them as a way to make money. Mm-hmm. You do whatever it takes or whatever you, but you also have a lot of boundaries. Yeah. I mean, it, like, I think that the stereotype to me is that women who are sex workers are getting paid to do things they don't want to do and wish they didn't have to do. And but you I mean, not that you want to or not. It's a job, but you're Mm -hmm. still in control. No.
1: Yeah, this is a great question. I mean, your boundaries are yours. okay? and you your boundaries can change at any moment. They're yours. You want to change your mind today? It's a case by case basis. Like, do you like this person? Do you not like this person? Do you feel safe and comfortable around this person? Where are you? What are you doing? What are they asking for? What time is it? When is rent due? Like all of these factors influence boundaries. But no matter what, boundaries exist for sex workers Mm -hmm. so we have to constantly establish them and that's why i think that there's this crazy misconception that sex workers don't have any boundaries because the reality is sex workers have better boundaries than most people who don't (laughs) do sex work because we constantly have to enforce them and a lot of people are told what their boundaries are by external circumstances and when you first start stripping no one has ever told me hey your boundaries are yours like never in my fucking life has mm-hmm. anybody said mm-hmm. that i've had to advocate for myself but mm-hmm. and so have a lot of sex workers and that's why there's the strongest most badass people i've met mm-hmm. but when you start working in a club they're like here are the rules okay and the rules are determined by the state or the the zoning mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and the state and the state influences boundaries because of like church and state and how they're not at all separate okay mm-hmm. so whoever right. whatever lobbyist is telling you what is okay and what is not. I, I've read a contract. I remember when I was dancing in Arizona. I danced there for like two nights, and I got this and t- this like several page contract at city hall with with probably a hundred bullet points about what I could and could not do with my own anus.
0: Wow, really? And I was
1: like, wait, what does my anus have to do with stripping? And it's like it was just. I think it's the only contract I actually have a copy of. Can you imagine the meeting for that? This is what I'm saying. These are your tax dollars at work. Mm -hmm. That is what's wild, is that your tax dollars are paying for lobbyists and, is it litigators? I guess, I don't know. To discuss anuses. Mm -hmm. And your tax dollars are paying for that. So this is why we need decrim. This is why we need decriminalization (laughs) because you're already paying for the regulation of sex work, and it's only... It's only to like make it prohibitive and dangerous and like impossible to survive.
0: Those are hearings I'd like to make public. I'd like, Seriously, to, make public. Right? I'd like to hear that.
1: But here's the Two other thing is talking about buttholes. You're so, like,
0: yeah. So I'm imagining like the 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 subject, the guy walks in and they're kind of like you're you're in a position where you're selling them stuff mm-hmm. and you want to keep their interest and keep mm-hmm. selling them. But you don't actually ever they never actually get what they want. Like the, you know, like the actual blowjob or whatever it is.
1: Well, that's assuming every man wants a blowjob. Or whatever, but I mean, isn't part of it,
0: isn't part of it. I mean, I'm talking about it just as far as the transaction, the transaction. What I'm trying to point out is that men aren't really, men are exploited. I don't know, exploited. They're dumb
1: and they're opportunistic.
0: Okay. But (laughs) men usually, I think a lot of men walk out of strip clubs disappointed. Do you? Probably.
1: You think it's so? It's not my fault. No, okay, I'm not. I'm not. No. Wait. I love lo- this question because disappointment means that you had expectations. Exactly. And who are you to expect something from a stranger? And this is what I've had to learn in my own life. It's like if you expect nothing, you'll have a much better time. Imagine if people walked into the strip club not being like, "I want to get my dick sucked," which is which is like something that is not allowed in most strip clubs because right. that is illegal. But imagine if you walked into a strip club being like, "I want to have a great time," and I want to welcome a good time. Like imagine if people just let go and allowed themselves to enjoy themselves with whatever was presented to them. Well, and I... and the entitlement of like oh I want a blow job is just like look if you want that I don't at a at a time in my life I thought that that was like shameful and disgusting because like I was horophobic. And horophobic Horophobic is a thing that we have to talk about and unpack because it's like it's judging people for doing things with their bodies that you might not do with your own body, but it's not your fucking body. Sorry, right. Yeah. No, we're a fuck. Allowed? Yeah. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. I like, but yeah. it's not your fucking yeah. body. It's yeah, not, it's your, not fucking your fucking
0: business. body. People.
1: It's not your business. Make your,
0: make your rules about your own fucking body. Not yeah. somebody else's. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. I get that. I get that. And I'm not a stripper.
1: No, but I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean also like disappointing men, like, no, but it's here's also another- like a pastime of mine. My-
0: no, but here's the thing I yeah. wanted to talk about too, is the male ego. I think mm. the male I think men um I think a lot of times men and strip clubs, it's about getting reinforcement on their manliness. Do, yes. y- do you? And I think that some of that like expectation is more about their ego, their sense of manliness. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, I'm just guessing, is that they see the stripper as a challenge like the stripper's gonna love me more than Mm
1: -hmm. or enjoy
0: me or be more excited by me than any other guy and they're gonna want to do things with me that blah 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 that they haven't done yeah what's
1: what's your sense of that yeah they all want to feel special and that's that's the job yeah the job is making them believe that right and yeah like ego is Everybody has ego. And I think entertainment is if your intention is to want to made feel be made feel special, then if you're willing to pay for that, then you should have that. Right. And like everybody wanting to feel special in a club and different. Like, yeah, that's that's the job. The job (laughs) is being a good enough actress to let them think that you believe them and that they think it to be true.
0: Right. So you're basically saying you're you're not actually disappointing them if they don't get a blowjob. I get this because what you're doing is genuinely giving them the feeling that they're special.
1: Yeah. And I, think and that, that's, that is
0: worth, that's what I,
1: that is I mean, worth I'm money. all for that. I'm all for that. All I would we, pay for that. All we want is to feel special. Everybody does. And like, and it's not that you should feel special every day. And that's how you should go about living your life. It's like, look, if you had a hard day and, and a bunch of people, yelled at you or something, do you want to go somewhere and a really pretty girl who smells like candy tells you that you're special? Like, uh, yeah, you're going to take it. Yeah. I think validation and entertainment go hand in hand. And I think paying for validation is not wrong. I think it's fine. I, no,
0: I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, a really positive way for men to express, for anybody to express themselves. I wonder mm-hmm. what would be the equivalent for... Or me, or women. You know
1: I what, know. I love that, so I was trying to explain to my mom, like, why people go to strip clubs. Because she was like, I just don't imagine it. I have no idea. We were, like, grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. And She's your like, mom's obviously cool about this. My mom is cool, and it's taken her a minute. Um, It's taken her a minute, but my mom is great and, like, encouraging. And, and uh, just, my mom and I are not that different as far mm. as being, like, Aquarian- flighty lovely women who love to just like have a good time and are thirsty for adventure so I think she really understands why I chose this like because mm-hmm. she she wouldn't call it stripping or sex work but she's told me so many stories of her adventurous life as a younger woman and they're not that different from mine Right. so I think like the times change but the the genes you inherit and the attitude towards life you inherit doesn't doesn't always change sometimes it does but in my case like my mom and I have a lot of compassion for each other but she asked me, she's like, I have no idea why anyone would go to a strip club. And she wasn't trying to insult me. She just didn't understand what people mm-hmm. wanted. Yeah. And then she went to the cheese counter and she and it was like a handsome guy behind the cheese oh, counter. Yeah. And she said, Show me something that will surprise and delight me. <laughs> and I just laughed because it was like she wants to be she just outed herself she wanted, she wanted surprise right. and delight. Right. That's what she wanted. That was right. her entertainment. And she saw somebody who was doing their job. And she wanted to be surprised and delighted. So if you go about your life and that's what you crave is surprise and delight, you can certainly find a person to provide that for you or a thing or whatever, and you can pay for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in some cases, that's a person.
0: Right, right, right. Because yeah. what you're doing is paying for an escape, which yes. is kind of like a movie or totally maybe Basketball some hot
1: cookies or hot cookies, whatever, like combine that. it
0: all. Um So there was an issue I want, or something I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about, um, wait, I wrote this down. I don't usually write questions. That's why I'm like trying to find the right questions. But I wanted to find out what you thought about, like, how, how do we, how do we consumers distinguish between like, I, you know, obviously have total respect for you and I'm impressed by how you make a living and all that. But what do we do about? how do I know the difference between you and oh, there are women who are being exploited. Do those women wind up in sex clubs? Like I'm talking about the women I, the women that I'm, that I worry about, like women who have drug problems mm-hmm. or really, really need the money, have no way to get it. Mm-hmm. And they're like having they're strip in strip clubs. Like, are they in different strip clubs or what? How is that different? They're different than you. We know that, right? Well, or, I mean, are they different
1: from me? Okay. So I, let's use I don't know. the example. Maybe I'm judgy. I let's don't know. Let's use the example of somebody who um, has is a, a drug user. Ad. Is a drug user. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then this is a very real problem that so many people in the right. United States face. There's a huge opioid right. problem. Right. Okay. And it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Wherever you're working, you are probably working with a colleague who has an opioid problem and it's not it's not their fault like there's a huge system in place that like gets anyway this is not my point of expertise Uh but i guess the question is like are these people being exploited well how i mean mean, like like i can
0: look at you and um have you know admire and respect you whereas i
1: because i make it fun
0: but when I think about those women, I feel sorry for them. I feel like they don't have any other options.
1: OK, well, I think sorry could be replaced with compassion, right? Like compassion isn't pity, right? Compassion is seeing somebody in a situation that is challenging. And yeah, a lot of sex workers, like I, have, I come from so much privilege, like the way you introduced me, like, yeah, I'm I'm educated. I my I have come from a family of support and love and um, they provided for me in a way that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily cushy, but it was fine. It was Mm -hmm, fine. mm -hmm. So I think that when we, we try to have compassion for people who are trying to escape poverty and drug addiction and, and things like that, like we have to just have compassion for that situation. And if, if the work that they're doing to survive is sex work, why are we judging them for that? I think that capitalism, we all live under it and we all are doing challenging things to try to like Figure out how to survive under it, and I don't know. I mean, like me talking on behalf of these people who experience that is is like it's not appropriate because I don't know what that life is like. But we have to have compassion for them, and we have to look at the circumstances they're they're in, and they have every right to charge for a lap dance or charge for a blowjob as I do. Doesn't matter where the money's going if they're doing the work, they should be paid for it, and they should be able to do it safely.
0: No, I, I I totally agree with that. But what you're saying, I'm if I'm hearing right, um, you're saying that I should, or ha, just have compassion for them the same way I would if I was working in a factory and that factory worker yes. had an opioid problem yes. or some kind of drug problem, which I would easily feel sorry yes. for them and not, or not feel compassion. I'm going to have to think about this on my, on my own time. Compassion and and feelings. Sorry.
1: Yeah. And what's the difference? And What's the difference? And the difference is you. The difference is not the person with the, with the addiction or who is using the drugs. The different, they are, they are figuring their life out and they are struggling and they are trying to survive just like you are. Mm -hmm. But your opinion of them is what we're kind of talking about now. It's like, what do I think about these people? And it's like, well, let's unpack that. Like, why Mm -hmm. is there so much stigma around People who use drugs like we live in this world where everyone's popping pills all the time and like white people can smoke weed all the time. And like white people are profiting off of like turning cannabis into this industry. But people of color are still in cages for possession. Like, no, I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah. We have to think about when we ask these questions and we try to point a finger at somebody who is othered we should really just be looking at ourselves and why am I asking this question? So
0: I guess are there, I mean, the stereotype is that there's a large population of women that you would be working with conceivably that are drug, you know, drug are, are, is that, are those women, you know, are those a lot of the women you're working with or do you not yeah, do you get worked, to know
1: them? I've worked with people who are in all different phases of their lives who mm-hmm. are using or not using. And, mm-hmm. And, um,
0: but you actually get to know them. So you actually have, yeah, you probably, you probably, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder about
1: some girls a lot who I've worked with. And one of the interesting things, and one of the things that I love about stripping and also one of the things that is heartbreaking is that you don't know anybody's real name. And like, that's mm -hmm, to protect us. mm -hmm, That's to feel safe. mm -hmm. And you don't like know a girl's Facebook. You don't know where she lives. You don't know her real name. You don't know anything. And that's why I love it. So when I, when I think back to these girls that I worked with, like this girl Ginger, I'm like, I wonder where Ginger is. I didn't know her real name, nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm I wonder wondering if sat. we're, it, like, here's the thing. I'm wondering by elevating the, the business of, of stripping, if we're also hurting those women, I guess. That's the question I ask. So
1: that's a great question because uh, I,
0: I don't have an answer. I
1: think, no, I, and I don't think anybody has an answer yet, but I think that respecting that this is work, this uh-huh. is a job that people do, and they should have the right to do the job safely. That's all right. we're fighting for right, right now. It's like safety and like fairness.
0: Right, And right. fairness
1: to the effect that like, don't steal money from people who mm-hmm. are working to mm-hmm. make you rich. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't do that. Because that's kind of what's happening. You know, like if you're undocumented in New York working at a strip club, they're taking 80% of your wages. Oh, yeah. And like, are you, if you listen to that, like whatever you do for an hour, if you're listening, yeah. imagine somebody taking 80% of what You generate for that space because you're undocumented. Like, how the fuck would you feel? How would you possibly buy yourself or your family dinner, or pay for the electric bill if someone's taking eighty percent of your wages? And and just acknowledging that that's the reality. What? How much harder do you have to work? And how much more do you have to bend what you're comfortable doing in order to make up that eighty percent? Right, right, right. We just have to be aware of it. We can't. Solve it overnight. Can't solve it, but but it's there. It's there. Awareness,
0: yeah. Education, folks. That's a good point. So here's another thing. So my personal thing with sexual currency is that I'm really angry because I worked in advertising almost 30 years, and Mm -hmm. I'm really mad at all the women. I'm not a good flirt or whatever or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't have, I don't have the whatever it is. And a lot of women, it's a very, or at least when I was doing it, very male dominated business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the women used their their feminine wiles to get ahead. And I always felt that it was really unfair. So I'm angry and bitter at them. And now that they're getting older, they're losing their sexual currency mm-hmm. and they are having a really hard time giving that up because they used to get all this shit for free as Mm -hmm. I see it. And now they're not getting it anymore. And since I never use it, I can, you know, I can feel superior, showed in fraud to them, but that's Mm -hmm. where I'm coming from. But what I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of women like what we also have to, I think, identify is that women, all women, a lot of women out there are using their sexual currency because it's a very male dump men have the money mm-hmm. to exploit to, they're using their sexual currency to get ahead and mm-hmm. it's exactly the same as using your they're using their bodies and there's really no difference but yet they somehow don't take responsibility for it and that makes me mad
1: totally i feel you do you feel like that yeah well i mean i this is such a great i have so many problematic answers to this like Quandary because mm-hmm. where do I even begin? Okay. I have always when I figured out that I had currency for smiling at people mm-hmm. and getting things that I wanted, mm-hmm. I used it immediately, abusively, everywhere. I was 18, I had just got to college. Oh, you must and have been I, dangerous. I was just on a tear. I was like, wait a minute. If I smile, I can get things. This is incredible. So I just went for it and took everything I possibly could. And, and um one of, I don't know if, and like, it's hard to say because like everybody's sexual journey is different. And I think how you identify today and how you identify tomorrow changes and how I've identified sexually has changed throughout my life. And honestly, if I don't want to fuck you, it's not your fucking business. So Mm -hmm. like, don't worry about how Mm -hmm. I identify, but Feeling hella gay makes it way easier to use your sexual currency to get stuff because you don't fucking care about these people.
0: Right. You're
1: just because like and do they even care about you? No, it's not. I don't think like I don't think using sexual currency to get a guy to give you some shit is a problem. And maybe you do or do not give this guy some shit. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Like you're you're doing the thing in the moment and this is what they're deciding out of their own volition to give to you. So you take it and go. And this is what I tell every stripper is open a savings account because yes, this currency isn't as powerful the older you get. And I think that's fucked up and I think that needs to change. Yeah. Um. And this, is, and but patriarchy is a bitch and like it favors youth and like they see youth as an achievement and it's not like, what does it, Carrie Fisher say? Youth and beauty are not achievements. Ugh. Love her. Yeah. Well, that's well.
0: see, that's the point that I'm trying to make in that, like, I'm all for exploiting whatever you have to get whatever you need to use, whatever you have. And if your sexuality is part of that, go ahead, but see it for what it is. What I'm saying is, Mm -hmm. is like, I mean, what I'm really angry and bitter about is that I think I believed and I think a lot of I think everybody else did that these women that I was competing with were that they not weren't necessarily, I was competing with them, I don't know if they were competing with me, but that I was competing with, comparing myself to, were getting ahead mm-hmm. because of their flirtatiousness, not necessarily their hard work or their talent. Flirtation and that's the,
1: is hard that's, work. Are you kidding? Do you know mm. how much energy it takes to look at a guy and act like he's fucking interesting when he's the most boring guy in the room? It is work. And this is brings me back to sex work being work. If somebody is using their sex appeal as a resource it is a resource it is something that you have that you can offer in exchange for goods it's a resource like anything else like your time like your degree whatever and this is why whore phobia which is kind of like what we're all ingrained with is mm-hmm. like whores are bad and anybody using whore superpowers is bad and like yo everybody has whore superpowers do you choose to employ them or not and well, this is why I'm like, yo, everybody, I don't know, like, again, this is see, probably bad advice, but I think that everybody has these resources and some choose to employ them. And not everyone is like leading with that. A lot of people try all of their other resources and they might not work. And then you have this one in your back pocket and you're trying to get there and you use that one and that one works.
0: Well, all I'm saying is I'm, I'm agreeing with you, use whatever you have. But what I'm saying is the problem I have is that these women don't say, I got that promotion because I flirted with the guy. I no. got that promotion. They believe that they're smarter and better and harder working. And well, that's it, the part about it that bothers me.
1: Well, yeah, it because because our whole society shames women for being, for existing, never mind existing in a sexual capacity, that acknowledging that that helped you get there is, is shameful. Like we, we use sexuality to discredit people. And I think that that is that is inherently bad. um, Yeah, I don't think.
0: I think if you're talking about a specific skill, I think it's part of a package. So if you have like a great writer who's also great on stage and sexy or maybe Mm -hmm. they're sexy, maybe they're not, maybe they're just charismatic and Mm -hmm. they get ahead because they're great presenters. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because they have that talent. Yeah. But it's not just because the book is a great book. Totally. And I think that we need to recognize those things because I think it puts a lot of pressure, particularly on women. The problem I have too is that there's so much pressure on women and some women Mm -hmm. their best thing like you take young girls who are like college high school girls Mm -hmm. some of them are going to be extraordinarily gorgeous but there's going to be a whole bunch that are average or not average so Mm -hmm. they but they have the same pressure to get ahead using their looks Mm -hmm. as the other women who just naturally happen to be gorgeous and that's the part that bothers me and i feel like a lot of celebrity women uh use that the way that they use beauty beauty products promoting beauty Mm -hmm. madonna's promoting fucking makeup and skincare i mean that's the kind of shit that puts pressure on all women and i think women that are particularly attractive should specialize in being attractive and like leave the other women alone to whatever they're good in do you know what i mean
1: i mean okay Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But let's say a woman who is like empirically attractive or whatever. She's got a symmetrical face and she's slim or whatever. And what if she also happens to be a brilliant neuroscientist? Should she just not be allowed to practice neuroscience because she's hot in the eyes of patriarchy? It's a bigger problem.
0: No, no. I mean, I'm saying that's great. She should be all of that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the average that no woman... Like beauty is a talent, let's say, or charisma is a talent, like any other talent. You is can work charisma on a
1: talent or is it a gift? I don't know.
0: I I'm think charismatic. it's a little both. I think it's a little, I think it's a little of both. Okay. I think it's, I think all these things are, you know, beauty. You, like if you're really like a nasty person and you're pretty and people talk to you after five minutes, they're not going to find you attractive, probably. These things influence you I mean,
1: capitalism is changing the whole way we perceive beauty because you can just buy it now. Like, look at the Hadids and the Jenners and shit. Like, like all these girls got a thousand surgeries and yo, your body, your choice, do you to look more attractive and to get more work and become more beautiful. So it's, it's become even more unfair because now only rich people get to be beautiful. You're like, what the fuck? I don't know. This is like a polarizing statement. I'm sure I'll regret no, saying this. No, no, no. But like, like the, the industry and the way we treat beauty is is now a, a currency of thing, of something that you can purchase. Like you can purchase the 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 treatments and the filters and all the stuff. Like I don't even know what beauty is anymore because of Instagram filters. It's it's in like the all the things that you can do. I have, I am. I am at a lot... Like, I don't even know what to say about it. Yeah. It's
0: complicated. It is really complicated. I just feel really like that... I think that it shouldn't be... I just... It really bothers me how all women... And I think women... The problem I also have is that women are to be blamed for this because they're the worst perpetrators of being beautiful... You know, the importance of beauty. Like, I look Mm -hmm. at all... I watch, you know, news or whatever, and mm-hmm. all the newscasters are all perfectly
1: made up and all this shit. They're all they- the same surgeons too. They're all getting the same yeah. lips and the same nose. It's everyone's starting to look the same. It's weird. Yes, it's weird and ageless. Like and age-less. not young or old. There's just yeah. no. And, and I struggle with the the like i I struggle with with the anti aging like trend of like just doing things to not get there. I'm like, no, but. I, I personally want to get there. I want to. I want to. I want my body to age, but I'm also like in an industry that's really that puts a lot of pressure on that. And I am in well, show business. Like you're what, in show business. What are you're they going tell li- me to do? What no. am I going to think I have to do? Because I'm. Like even I was barely in hustlers. I was in it for four seconds. Yeah, cool I know. Experience. You were you
0: were on the film.
1: The yeah, film hustlers but guys. Everyone's so hot and beautiful and all everybody has a makeup artist and a surgeon or whatever. Or their own. And you get there and you're like, Wait, I don't have all these things. Do I need to do these things just to feel like I stand I can stand next to these people? And, right. it's a, and I'm just starting. I have but, no idea but what I, it, what's see, really happen. I think
0: But I think the problem with that is that women put that on each other. Like when I I forget which woman it was, but there I'm not going to remember her name. But I was watching the hearings, and this one woman walked in mm-hmm. who she spoke. She's famous. I should know her name by now. But and she had no makeup, and she looked so fucking respectable and serious. And I think like newscasters, I think they should have one day where no women on TV wear makeup because the minute you put on makeup to me, and I am I wear makeup, don't get me wrong. I care about my mm-hmm. looks, don't get me wrong. But the minute you start doing, the minute you put on makeup, I feel like that's trying to appeal to men. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we, the reason women wear makeup is to
1: partly to appeal to men. I have so many ideas about makeup because I personally don't wear a lot of it on a daily basis, but if I'm working, I am like, bring me the glam squad because yeah. everyone does. But I also think that makeup is paint for your face. I, as an artist, I see makeup as something that you use to put on your body to express yourself. And I think that it is, it's nobody's business what you do with that and how you choose to present. I think that the competitiveness of it and the expectation of having, a makeup artists is expensive. And like, also your time is expensive and taking 45 minutes to do a full face is, Is expensive because Mm -hmm. it takes you forty five minutes. And it's none of it's fair and like the standard, the expectation doesn't feel fair because guys get to like Robert Redford gets to like look like Robert Redford and we all think he's so sexy. I think he is sexy. But I think it gets I think
0: they men have a lot of shit too.
1: They yeah, whatever. uh, I'm sure they do. But I wanna like I wanna have the right I don't know, honestly. I remember I was like I saw the Terminator two or the Terminator uh, trailer and I haven't seen the movie yet. But Linda Hamilton looks like such a badass to me. And one of my girlfriends was like, oh, she looked rough. And I was like, wait, no, she looks awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. She's just she has. I don't know. She just to me, like when I look at her, I see somebody that I want to be when I grow up. Right. And other people see an old woman. I'm like, what's wrong with being an old woman? Like she looks fucking badass. She's toting guns. She's got crazy biceps. And yeah, she has lines on her face because she's lived longer than you and knows more shit than you. And she's laughed like this is how I feel. And, and it's like a, and why do we, why are we allowed to have opinions about other people's faces? Well, honestly. Yeah, no, I get it. I yeah. get it. I
0: think the older you get, the less pressure you have on your looks because A, you're losing them. And are you B, though?
1: I don't know. I, I think it looks badass. How do you feel?
0: I feel, no, I feel, I'm talking about like in a typical way. Yeah. I feel better about probably my physical appearance than I, now than I did when I was young. I have more That's time badass. to exercise. But the other thing is, is and I'm not competing on that level because I don't have any reason to, but the thing is, is that I think that, uh, um, what was I going to say, is that I just think that there's just, I think putting makeup on when you want to, that's great. But I yeah. think the idea of like going like at work, you can't go to a job, an office job or have like any kind of real job mm-hmm. in, a, in a workplace without wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. And looking professional, you're not going to be taken seriously unless you're wearing makeup. And I think that denigrates women in an office situation and with meetings and stuff like that, because I feel like since they wear makeup, they look like you're trying to appeal to men. And that's what
1: it pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've honestly worked in an office for like a month of my life. I have no idea what that's like. But I know what it's like in a strip club, but it's part of the costume. It's yeah, no, I'm all
0: for women. I mean, mm-hmm. I that's what guys are paying for. That's what people are paying for. I think if you're in entertainment, if you're going to entertain people, dance, dance. Mm-hmm. Be on stage, do any of that. You owe them that. That's mm-hmm. part of the gig. It you is. can't do your job without tax, right? that. I do live shows. I, I mean, mean, if you think okay. about this shit.
1: Okay, so have you do you, have you worked in an office where you felt like you had to wear makeup yeah. to be treated? So what is that like? Like, did you try an experiment where you went in with no makeup and like people were different, or what was that? No, I mean, I never wore like? a lot
0: of makeup. It's yeah. just that you don't look polished, and people. Mm aren't going to take you seriously. The people that really do well, the women that do well are people who are natural at all this stuff. Like they just want to wear makeup. Mm-hmm. They want to conform. They want to be part of that.
1: It's a performance based job. It sounds like. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: it's it, when you're working in an office, you're in a culture, a society. I mean, a, they call it a family, oh, uh, <laughs> dysfunctional people and yeah. everybody has to, and I guess makeup is sort of a defense in a way. Yeah. But, um, I think so. You know, I just I don't know that kind of that kind of shit bothers me.
1: Yeah, it should. It's not fair because all of that. If that pressure was on people of every gender identity, it would maybe feel a little bit more fair. But because it's only on, you know, women and femmes, it feels like shit because Mm -hmm. because the 45 minutes it takes for you to put on your face in the morning Fucking Roger over here gets to spend that time reading the newspaper, running on the treadmill, or jerking off, and you don't get to run on the treadmill and read the newspaper and jerk off because you're putting on your fucking face. But it's like, all about the fair.
0: judgment that you're <laughs> being judged on your appearance. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and that, and I think I yeah. think that's the problem. Yeah, and I think women, I think women, um, you know. M- contribute, are big contributors to that. And I think we're not very conscious about it. There's
1: also a whole billion dollar so, industry. So here's... Sorry. Here,
0: no, it's true. There's yeah. so much money. And yeah. I, you know... Mm-hmm.
1: I, Advertising. Like, um, they thrive on us feeling ugly.
0: So here's something I've I've been thinking. Here's a crazy idea I've been thinking about. I wonder what you have to say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, So what happens to a teenage girl that like develops large breasts? Like it seems like how is society supposed... And I'm using large breasts as an example. It could be any kind of, like, obvious sort of sexuality. But, like, suppose, so, I mean, I got my tits when I was 11. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, I mean, they're normal, whatever, they're tits. They're Mm -hmm. they're fine, they're functional, they've done the job. Uh, But what if you have, like, unusually large tits and you're 11 years old? Society doesn't, like... Parents don't coach you in that. Or how how are we supposed to handle that? Do you know what I mean? It seems like
1: that girl is going to be a victim no matter what. Or what do you think about that? I didn't have big boobs. So I, I honestly cannot speak to that. I have a lot of friends who can tell you about their experience. And I, would, I wouldn't I would want to waste anybody's time trying to imagine what that is like. I'd rather just like let another girl talk about that. But um, I think the, what you mentioned is like parents aren't coached. To talk about that. Yeah. And then the other part is she's a victim from the beginning. I this is where this is language, right? Okay. Victim is a a horrible. Victim is a horrible. I know it is. And because it's kind of like accepting that the world is going to treat her like shit. So we're going to have to feel bad for her. And I I challenge people to think differently. I think that like, look, this woman is going to receive more attention that she's probably prepared to receive. Imagine if you could be supportive of her and check the people who treat her poorly. Imagine if you just had that awareness. Right. Just that's just do better. I'm,
0: I'm kind of asking yeah. for that from parents, but also from society. I'm like, not a parent either, so I don't. I have a, no well, idea. I'm of a of I'm a, a dog. boy, a male. <laughs> she has six nipples. Six <laughs> She could really make a lot of money as she a stripper, a, all those, yeah. but that's a lot of bras. I, I know. know. You'd have to get a, Oh, she's so proud. Com- complicated. Yeah. Uh, the thing is though, I don't think society prepares parents and, and, you know, the, the way that we talk about sex and sexual, that's another sexual currency issue. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that. I don't feel sorry for these women, I don't girls, they're not victims, but they are going to be compassion. But they're but it's not about compassion for them, it's that I feel protective of them. I yeah. feel that there are they there are going to be people out there gunning for them and mm-hmm. and and projecting a lot of horrible bullshit on them and I think that it gets taken for granted and no one even notices that.
1: What would you want to say to that girl who's like 11 and, and has big boobs? What would you want to say to her to what would you want to say to her at that point in her life?
0: I would, I don't know. That's a great question. I would probably say, uh, what would I say? I don't know. I would say that I would just tell her, try to tell her like the way it is and that she should come to me if there's any problems yeah, and that. She should be proud of who she is, and not just to talk about looks all the time. Mm-hmm. Like this, this woman who is on my show does, who actually does do a lot of babysitting. Mm-hmm. She says to girls, the girls she babysits, she says to them, "You know, a lot of people are going to tell you you're pretty, and mm-hmm. they're trying to be nice, and that's nice, but that's not what's important. What's important is that you're a good person. Mm. So it's they're just trying to be nice, but being pretty." is not the most important thing.
1: Hmm. That's interesting.
0: But but we all believe it is. I mean, it's a quandary that we're all in.
1: It's currency. Beauty is currency. And if mm-hmm. and if you have it and you don't mm-hmm. use it, you're selling yourself short. So but, we have seven minutes left. Wait, it, I want to give my oh, advice sorry. to the young person. Okay, we'll go, go ahead, start. please do. My advice to the young person, and this is what I give to strippers when they start out, is, and this is simple, but I say don't do anything you don't want to do. Uh-huh. And then the other thing, and then you don't have to explain why, but you always tell a young woman that she is powerful. Yes. Yes. Because if her yes. boobs are part of her power, that's fine. You don't yes. to tell her that. You don't say, your boobs are making you powerful. You just look yes. at her and say, you're powerful. See, that's really good. And what she does with that power is on her. You can't tell her what she's going to do with her power. That's her character. It's up to her. But tell her she's powerful. Wow. I, think that that's, I, think I, I think like that. that. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to. So, so. So beauty is power. It is it is a power. There are lots of powers. I think beauty is currency and I think every woman is powerful. Yeah. And I think if you and if and if beauty is is subjective also. Like yes, we are under this like capitalist machine where they think skinny white bitches are pretty and I'm a skinny white bitch so I know that's annoying. But also like, like confidence is powerful. Self conviction is powerful. Knowing your assets is powerful and beautiful. So like there's so many ways but just telling someone they're powerful empowers them. And they right. choose what what makes them
0: powerful? Right. So we should stop. Okay, this is great. So we should stop like focusing on looks and focus on power yes. and say, if you're really good looking, that's great because it gives you extra power.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even touch on the, hey, you're good looking, you're powerful. I would just go straight to your no, powerful, but I mean, you can if, tell anyone if, that. No,
0: but I'm saying, like, if you're thinking about mm-hmm. somebody who's attra- attractive, mm-hmm. they have extra power. But they then do. I think you also have to own the power. Yeah, what are you doing with take that power? And charge, take charge of that power so you can use it the way you want to use it Yes. instead of having other people manipulate, get it involved with your ego and then other people manipulate. Mm-hmm. You know, we only have five minutes left and the last minute or two I want to, like, um, Say goodbye to everybody and tell them where to, what they should look for, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as your website. But though, the one thing we didn't touch on, which would probably be a whole other show, but I think it's important to note is that you're queer. Yeah. So and you're married to a female, Mm -hmm. so that does kind of put you in a different category to some degree. What do you? What's your thoughts about that? Because I don't want my listeners, you guys, to think that I was trying to like cheat not mention that or anything like that it is a factor so
1: i mean honestly being queer has so little to do with my job i'm good at my job all right just being are you i don't even how do you identify Uh, sexually uh, i'm married hetero okay does heterosexuality affect the way you can do your job no okay so then my queerness does not affect me being able to do my job it's a job and i'm really good at reading people and i'm really good at knowing what people want and i'm really good at making them have a good time and that is why i'm good at what i do and I think people are fixating on my queerness because my queerness is private because that's literally who I fuck for pleasure. And my me fucking for pleasure is not my job is not my job. It's for pleasure. So I don't think <laughs> it's it business. OK, well, yeah. what if what if somebody said, well, then you're not
0: as vulnerable to men. You're I'm not, not as vulnerable to emotionally or it's you true. don't. So do you think that and that's helps privilege?
1: I that's think, a privilege. I think that's a privilege or a, a perk. I think that it's hard to talk. It's hard to speak about privilege when like my wife and I had to wait for DOMA to overturn so that we could even get married. Like it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm so privileged that I had to wait for marriage. Right. So it's like right. and like it's I'm not so privileged that like we get harassed at every bar we go to. So like I'm not I'm not going to be like right. it is such a privilege to be a queer sex worker because because i can't go on vacation with my wife without being harassed and i can't go on a date night with my Mm. wife without being harassed so i'm not ever gonna say that Mm. it is a privilege to be a queer sex worker right it is my life and this is my existence and this is who i am and this is the work that i do and i'm making it work and everybody's making it work and we work with what we have Mm -hmm. and i just hope that everybody finds love so that's a little bit of yeah.
0: power that you have,
1: mm-hmm. and yeah. other
0: people who do what you do have different sorts of power as well. Yeah. And that's a little bit of power you have. Well, that's yeah. great. So let's just one more time um, go over and remind people how this multi, multifaceted, multi-talented person. You should go to um, her website, strippersforever.com. dot com. That's strippers plural, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, all of us. Um, she also has like so many amazing things uh, that she's selling, T-shirts, hats, got it, all sorts of stuff. And she also has like incredible cartoons yeah. and all the books. Like I can't, I honestly, your book was like one of, I mean, I am a audiobook addict and yours was like easily in the top two or three this year. That Thank I'd, you. I mean, it's really, really good folks and I'm. I'm really I'm really here to uh tell you about it, promote it because it's it's honestly great. And also, I think that you should go see uh Jack. You can see her in person, which mm-hmm. is so exciting. I've already had the pleasure, my, me and my husband. It was fabulous. We've seen her. She's hilarious, great performer, great on stage, and that's at caveat caveat.com November twenty mm-hmm. sixth. Yeah, and Tuesday. you're gonna be doing comedy. Yeah, is that I'll right? Be doing next to making you and um, so you should really have the real the real experience and caveat is great. So thanks so much for being here with Dr. Lisa on Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm here every Thursday, two to three. Please stick around. We've got great radio free Brooklyn programming this afternoon.
1: Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no that was great. I, I actually got finished a second early. Ten seconds early. Wow. Right, this tip is her. so strange. Let's use this extra moment. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives
0: a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit about you.